My friends, thank you for joining me. Welcome to the Bible Project Daily Podcast. The project is to work through the whole Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And we're beginning today, uh, several days in Genesis chapter 40, looking at the situation where Joseph, bless him, has been thrown into jail for something, in fact, that he hasn't done. And I've called the overarching and are given an overall title to the study of chapter 40, Living in a Dungeon of Despair and Discouragement. I would remind you that if you're a first-time visitor here, maybe you were just looking for a Bible study in Genesis chapter 40, that this is a project to work through the entire Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And I'd just like to invite you to join us on that journey. Why not consider going back to episode one, playing catch-up for a while, and then uh, get the study of the Bible uh, part of the rhythm of your daily life. We'd love for you to join with us. As well as the talks, there's always a transcript of everything I've said available in the episode notes of any audio version of the podcast, along with links there and ways that you can connect to the ministry. So anyway, I hope you've made that decision to join us. And if you're back again, again with us again, welcome back. And we'll just drop back and begin in the main text. I'll see you at the end to update you. Bye for now. Okay, here we're back again, kicking off a new chapter, Genesis chapter 40, considering about the issues of Joseph thrown into prison unjustly, and he finds himself in the pit, in the dungeon, I would imagine in a state of feeling really discouraged. And one of the most common experiences of life, I believe, to all people, all human beings, is the issue of discouragement. Interesting for me that during my short time as a pastor and in meeting with other pastors, I saw it was one of the major issues that that church leaders faced. I saw it all the time. Now, some people think they're more prone to encouragement than others, but I believe that, you know, in reality, discouragement is a common experience for everyone. I don't think you can actually get through life without being discouraged from time to time or at some point to one degree or the other. As a young man, I spent a lot of my money on cars. Because as we all know, to get the girl, you need to get the right car, right? Don't need to work on your personality, you just need to have the right car. Because you know as a young man that driving a car way too fast is definitely the way to attract women, right? Mm, Maybe wrong. I spent more and more of my money as a teenager and uh, as a young man buying, well, faster and faster, but older and older and more unreliable cars. Think that that was going to solve my problem of not being cool enough to get the girls. I bought cars that I had to resell for less than I paid for them. I once bought a car that had so many problems, I only drove it from where I picked it up to my front drive but it had so many problems in the end and it was so expensive to fix. In the end, I just had to sell it, have it collected and sold for scrap. At that point, I must admit I felt seriously discouraged at my lack of girlfriends and my lack at that point of even a car. But you know, that was trivial and that was just the case of a teenager needing to grow up and learn a few more things about life. Some of the more serious cases that I've encountered, both in myself 
have been times, particularly in my younger life, when I struggled in jobs. And I think I've encountered that with many other people as well as I've gone through life. I've known several people, and I actually know people right now, who thought they were going to get a promotion at work and that things were going well, only to discover that they didn't get a promotion. In fact, the company downsized and they ended up getting what either amounted to a demotion or let go of altogether. I know of lots of people who felt they were on a career projection, a direction of travel, an upward direction of travel in their career, and then the pandemic hit a few years ago and they got furloughed. And for some of them, when the furlough ended, they never got taken back. They were laid off. A great deal of my daughter's friends at university, they all graduated together in 2019 and many of them thought they'd landed their dream job only to find out that the pandemic hit them as well and the rug was pulled out from under their dreams. And those jobs that had been offered literally one week in the September, in the October, those job offers disappeared. And I know several people who never got back into the job at the previous level and they're still in that situation now. And for them, that can be financially very serious. And with the current cost of living crisis, many, many people are getting really discouraged about it because they can't see a way through to make ends meet. I mean, we can all get discouraged when things like that seem to stack up against us. So what I want us to ask here is how can we handle discouragement? Maybe that's a better title for today's message. I think I'll change it as I said. Let's call the next three studies how to handle discouragement because that might be a title that'll connect with people and maybe they'll find some resources within this. As you know we've been going through the book of Genesis for a while now and we're going to look at the story of Joseph. We've come to the point in the text where I admit it doesn't specifically say he's discouraged but I can believe that we can draw from his circumstances that it is completely reasonable to assume that he would be. If we were going to cover the issue of, of discouragement and cast across the whole Bible, there are all kinds of passages of scriptures on discouragement in other places that we could go to. But in this particular incident, I can say I can't imagine Joseph being anything else other than being discouraged. And I'll explain that in a minute. But what I want to do is see how he handles his situation and in this episode in his life. That isn't to say that this is all you can do if you're facing discouragement or it's the only thing you can do. It's not an exhaustive discussion on the subject, but in my personal experience and in my own life and in trying to encourage other people that I've met who are struggling, what I see in this passage is what needs to be done when we get discouraged. Interested? Well, I hope so and I hope it's helpful. But the first thing I think we need to do, the vitally important thing we need to do before approaching is, is to admit to ourselves, if not to others, that sometimes we get discouraged. I don't think we can begin to start drawing help from this passage or more importantly to begin to start helping other people who are disheartened unless we can admit to ourselves that sometimes we too become discouraged. 
Now, the plan is over what I think will be three episodes will be to go over this complete story expositionally that we find here in Genesis chapter 40. And then I want to spell out two specific things from this passage. As I've pointed out, it's not exhaustive. There are other concepts and ideas dealt with at other parts in the Bible. But there are two very specific things that this story points out. And they're absolutely vital as a foundation, I believe, for dealing with discouragement. These are the two things I want you to walk away from this chapter, which I believe you should carry with you for the rest of your life in case you ever become discouraged. And if you don't think you need this sort of resources today, well, I believe there's a good chance that you might need them in the future. I pray that you don't, but the likelihood is that you will. And you will certainly need these tools in your toolkit if you at any way wish to help other people. If you want to meet people at their point of need when they're discarded and talk to them and help them find a way through. So we need to have a handle on this, not just for ourselves, but in order to help other people. Now, some of you might think when I actually get into the text that, that this stuff is really just common sense. But like in all things, when you look at things from a biblical point of view, you will find that the Bible puts a unique perspective on something, something that maybe you thought you knew all along, something that you thought the world believed and was just common sense. But the Bible, as ever, puts a unique and special spin on it. So with that in mind, let's look at Genesis chapter 40, and we're going to begin by reading the first couple of verses. It says, Sometimes later, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their master, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was angry with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, in the same prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, and he attended them. Now let me pause and lay out what's happening in this story because there's a few little nuances and phrases that you might not immediately out what it is it's implying. You will recall that Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. He was sold into slavery to travelling merchants who were going to Egypt and they took him indeed of course to Egypt and there he was sold as a slave into the household of this man named Potiphar who was a very important Egyptian official. Things were going well. Joseph was being blessed in the house of Potiphar and Potiphar's household was being blessed through Joseph remaining faithful and honourable to both God and to his master. But then Potiphar's wife had designs on him and she tries to seduce him, but he resists her. Yet still, she tries and tries and then eventually she cries rape, which wasn't true at all. So her husband hearing this is naturally angered greatly and has Joseph thrown in prison and that is where we left off the story last time at the end of chapter 39 and it's important to know that we begin this new point in the story that as we are at this point we find Joseph languishing in jail literally in the depths of a dungeon some of the older translations calls it now verse 1 tells us after the passage of a period of time a cupbearer and a chief baker are thrown in prison with Joseph and their crime is that they've offended the king. 
Now we need to pause for a moment first and discuss what it means to be a cupbearer or a butler, it's sometimes called in some translation, and a baker, what those job titles actually meant at that time. Now sometime this position of cupbearer, like I say translated as butler sometimes, well when we think of a butler, we tend to probably think of something like Downton Abbey would throw up in our mind, but a butler in this situation was very different type of butler than that we would see today. At this time in the Old Testament, the cupbearer was in charge of everything that the king had to eat and drink. It was a religious position, a ceremonial position, but it was also a practical position because his role, one of his main role, was to make sure that the king was not poisoned. But as I understand it, in some of these cases, and probably this one, the cupbearer would drink and taste whatever the king was about to eat and drink before he got it. So that if someone tried to poison the king, the pharaoh that is, of course, cupbearer would then be the one that would become either ill or die. And if he didn't become ill or die, then it would be seen as okay for the king to drink it. Of course, that proposition assumes that whatever poison administered would be very fast acting, which wouldn't necessarily have been the case. But anyway, that's what it means when it says he was the cupbearer. That was his job. And the baker, he was more than a baker in our mind because that's been segmented into one area of baked goods and bread. This is the person who is the chief baker. In other words, he's the one who's in charge of the preparation of food. Now what this verse 1 says is that they both offended the king. Now we don't have a clue really as to what they did. We can make educated guesses, but we can say that it must have been pretty serious. It wasn't just the cake of the baker burning some toast. They must have done something serious. Now, because they both are wrapped together in this event that caused offence to the king, some have suggested that maybe the king got sick and after the cupbearer had ate or drank something and that the king felt that they needed to be punished and maybe it was the baker of course who prepared that food but that's just a guess on my part but at any rate it tells us that whatever they did was serious and it offended the king verse 2 in fact says that the king pharaoh he was angry and he got so angry that he had them thrown in jail under the command of the captain of the guards in other words, he just chucks them in the dungeon, which is, of course, the same place as Joseph is. Now, what is fascinating in this verse is it says that he put them in the custody of the captain of the guard, which was a title that was also used for Potiphar when he was introduced as a character a few chapters ago. So we're probably in a situation where Potiphar is in charge again. It seems that the prison was close to and some have suggested that it was perhaps even attached to like in the same compound as Potiphar's house. So that's the king that has put these two guys into prison and it is Potiphar that has put Joseph into prison and now they're in the same place. They've been by circumstances been brought together and Joseph is already in there and it tells us that he's confined. Now the Hebrew word that is used to draw attention to the fact of the confinement of Joseph is actually a word that means to bind up. So at this point, Joseph 
was apparently in bonds of some kind. He wasn't just in prison, he was in chains or certainly restrained in some way. How he was tied up, we don't really know, but the word means more than just being in prison. The phrase used is confined in prison, tied up in prison. The text tells us this, and it tells us that the cupbearer and the baker get thrown in jail. So on a surface, it just appears that they all happen to be in jail at the same time. But by the way, if I can just pause for a moment and say, can you imagine how discouraged Joseph might have been at this point? I think it's safe to say that he would have been very downhearted. In the first place, when he got sold by a slave by his brothers and taken from his homeland, he was transported into a foreign country. And then from that country, he's been thrown into prison. For us, this is probably a bit like, say, us being arrested and flown to, say, Mexico or the Middle East or being thrown into prison there. Now, I have nothing against Mexico or the Middle East. I'm just using that as a random example. But the fact is, it would be terribly, terribly upsetting and discouraging. Joseph had become a slave. That wasn't good. And he gets falsely accused of sexual misconduct, attempted rape, really, and he gets thrown in jail. And remember, he hasn't actually done any of these things. He hasn't done anything wrong. He didn't do anything wrong either to get thrown into slavery. He didn't do anything wrong to get thrown into prison on top of that. And also, he's not just in prison. He's not in some comfortable prison. Apparently, he's in chains or certainly restrained within that prison. So I would like to just humbly suggest at this point that it's just common sense to say that Joseph must have been discouraged. I hope I'm not reading too much into the text. I believe that that is a good, sanctified guess, and I hope you agree with my assessment. And I think in the same circumstances, I would not only have been discouraged, but I personally might have been a little bit angry as well if such things had happened to me. But Joseph's clearly a better man than I am. Anyway, the plot thickens. But then we see this captain of the guard, probably many believe Potiphar again, assigning Joseph to have some sort of position of authority within the prison. So it looks to me that Potiphar has put him in charge of looking after them. Now the point of verse 4 is that for some reason Potiphar put Joseph over these two prisoners. So I guess that implies he got released from being tied up. So I guess that implies that Joseph at this point then is released from being tied up and he's now got this position of some sort of administrative responsibility over all the prisoners, which of course would include the butler, the cupbearer and the baker. Now, this particular word used in various translations is he served, or sometimes it says he attended them. Now, it isn't a word for serving in a menial task. It's a word that has a sense of more of an elevated kind of service. Responsibility for would be a good way of describing it. So he's become a sort of administrator again, just like he'd been in Potiphar's home. And this goes on for a while. And apparently experts who read the text and know the language say that this is suggesting that it's not something that just lasted a day or two or even a week or two. We don't know exactly how long it went on for, but it certainly implies that it wasn't a short time. Some of the commentaries I've read suggest that it would have gone on for months or maybe even a year or two. 
but it's certainly not just a few days or weeks. So this is the situation that we find ourselves in. It's been and it's going on for a while now, and that is the setting of the opening of the story. And it's at this point the story begins to get really interesting and takes some fascinating turns with dreams and visions being experienced by some of the participants. But anyway, we'll pick that up next time. Okay, that's it for today. Thank you for joining me. We're on the start of this new section. I hope you'll come back and we'll carry on this fascinating story of what happens to Joseph while he's in prison and the interpretation of the dreams. I'd like to remind you, like I said at the start, that in the episode notes page of any audio version of this podcast, there's lots of links to various ways you can connect with my ministry and access more teaching material and resources. There's places like the Buzzsprout website, that's the place where the audio version is hosted, as well as my YouTube channel and my, my Facebook page. And there's, an also, there's also a link there to my Patreon page, where if you wish you can become a supporter, a patron and partner with this work. It is that group of people and some others who enable this work to not only go on the internet but for free, but stay on the internet for free. It's also a place where I put any additional talks I do as a guest visitor in church or in speaking at secular organisations. So all of that can be accessed through my Patreon page. One other thing that's really helpful is if, if you're enjoying or and appreciating this teaching at any level, then why not consider, well, subscribing to it first so that you make sure you get a link, a reminder every day and you don't miss a single day's teaching, but also maybe consider reviewing it or liking it or sharing it on social media because that enables it to be seen much more widely and I would want to uh, encourage you to try and partner with me in making the study of the Bible part of the rhythm of people's daily life for as many people as possible. And importantly I'd like to thank each and every one of you who've just chosen to be involved in this. I see the thousands and thousands of you who are listening to this and the figures are growing every day and that's really encouraging for me and what is also vitally important and encouraging is to know that some of you have committed to pray for this ministry to pray that it can be ongoing to pray that I will have the time and the health and the emotional spiritual and practical resources to ensure this amazing project can be completed over what will take, I estimate, approximately five years. So thank you again for being part of this. And that's it for today. And I hope to see you back here. It'll be tomorrow for me, but whatever day it happens to be for you. But uh, I'll see you back here, I trust, very soon on the Bible Project Daily Podcast. Bye-bye for now.